Good evening, everyone. Good to pray with you. From now until Lent begins, in less than a month, we're going to hear from the Gospel of Mark on Sundays. It's a great gospel, definitely in the top four, for sure. Definitely. It's the first gospel written, and it's the shortest gospel, because Mark is writing for Christians in Rome who are being persecuted, and they're dying for their faith. And so Mark gets right to the point. There's no buildup about who Jesus might be. There's no time for angels. There's no time for stories about Mary or Joseph before Jesus was born. There's no shepherds. There's no magi. There's no Jesus getting lost in the temple. Jesus shows up and explodes on the scene. He gets right to work. So in tonight's gospel, we get his first words and his first disciples. So his first words, the first words out of Jesus' mouth. This is the time of fulfillment. The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. So let's just take those phrases. The time of fulfillment. This is the time. There's two words in Greek for time. There's chronos and kairos. Chronos is this. This used to be called a chronometer, right? It's measured time, days, hours, minutes, seconds. That's chronos. Kairos is qualitative time. Like it's time to get in shape after the holidays, right? Everybody says that. By now you've all abandoned your New Year's resolutions, right? So we know it's still time to get in shape. But we have to make time Right? The time to get in shape is kairos, and then you have to make time chronos to get in shape. All right? So understand the distinction? Jesus shows up and says, it's kairos. This is the time of fulfillment. It's time. And he says, of fulfillment, which I love that word. I was praying with that before because I was thinking about your life and my life and everybody's lives are so full. Right? We're full of duties, responsibilities, things we have to get done. And our lives are very, very full. I wonder how many people would say their lives are fulfilled, though. Because we fill our lives with all sorts of things, but do those things bring fulfillment? So when Jesus shows up and he says, this is the time of fulfillment, then the next question is, how? How is there going to be fulfillment? And his next words, the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God is at hand. The kingdom of God is at hand. First, it's at hand. It's right here, right now. And then the question, so what is this kingdom of God? What is it? Pope Benedict, in his brilliant work, Jesus of Nazareth, three volumes, he speaks about this. He says the kingdom of God is Jesus Jesus in person. He is the kingdom of God. That's why the time of fulfillment has come, because Jesus has come. To his way, his rule, his kingdom, they're intimately tied to him. So he is the one who brings fulfillment. He is the one who fulfills the human heart. That's why Augustine, 
300 years after Jesus could say, our hearts are restless until they rest in you. You've made us for yourself. Well, Jesus is the one who finally satisfies the restless human heart. So the time of fulfillment is now. And the kingdom of God is at hand. And that's for all of us right here, right now. But for us to have that become a reality in our lives, guess what, folks? We have to change. That's why the next thing that Jesus says is repent and believe in the gospel. See, we have to change. Why does Jesus almost immediately talk about repentance? Because we have to change. Because Jesus is God and God is ultimate reality. And so God in the person of Jesus Christ is fundamentally a realist. He's honestly assessing the situation. That entering into a sinful world back then and also now, the people who need to hear the gospel first need to be unstuck. That's every one of us here. We all have to get unstuck. Or even more importantly, and even primarily, we have to recognize that we first are stuck. That's the danger in our culture right now. The normalization of sin that does great damage to human hearts. Or even celebrating it as if it's not just normal, but a good thing. No. That's why repentance has to be preached. When we're all honest enough with ourselves, we all know, we all know, I need to change. My relationship with God, it needs to go deeper. It needs to extend further. And I'm the one who needs to change. Not God, not some other situation. If we're quiet enough, if we're honest enough, it all comes back to us. The invitation's been given. The grace to respond is present, and we have to step forward. We either say yes or we say no. We all know we have to change. So Jesus begins by preaching repentance. But let's think about that, though. I think most people see repentance in a real negative light. You get someone who's wagging a finger at you. You need to change. You need to do things different. You need to stop doing that thing. And certainly there is an aspect of repentance that matches that. But there's so much more. There's so much more. I want to offer you that repentance is expansive and not restrictive. That repentance is expansive and not restrictive. The Greek word that Jesus uses here is metanoiete. That's the verb, metanoia, in the noun form, nominative form. And that word means very specifically this. It's a combination of two things, meta and nous. Nous is mind, and meta is to go beyond. So metanoia, when Jesus says repent, he means this, literally to go beyond the mind you have. To go beyond the mind you have. Which shows a couple things. First, that sin, which we need to repent from, sin is what constricts us. 
Sin is restrictive. The turning in on ourselves is what restricts us. That constricts and restricts. And Jesus came preaching repentance so that we could go beyond the mind we have, that we could grow and expand, that we could prepare ourselves to receive the great things that God has for us personally and then also through us for the world. But for us to receive that, we can't stay locked in our small way of thinking. We have to allow the Lord to stretch us to pull us beyond where we're comfortable. And the Lord does that. And he does it in this gospel because he's not just speaking words to people. He's not just walking along saying good things. He's moving along and then he calls people. We have the call of the first apostles in this gospel. And Jesus says, come after me. And I'll make you fishers of men. See, that move right there is how we change, how we think about things. Jesus invites Peter and Andrew and then later James and John to come after him, to get real close to Jesus, who is the kingdom of God in his person. And by that close proximity, that's what changes their minds and their hearts. That's what opens to them a whole new world a whole new way of being, way beyond their own plans. And dear brothers and sisters, that is not just for those who were called to be apostles. That's for every one of us here tonight. That Jesus says, come, get real close to me. And I'm going to open up a whole new world for you. I will make something new happen in your life a new way of being, a new way of seeing, a new way of loving, all because of him. Through him and with him and in him. That's how the change happens. So we're called to be close to him. And does he have a plan for us? Yes, absolutely. And it's way better than any plan we could have for ourselves. Remember, what do we need to repent from? A way of being that is small and constricted and focused on self. But as we open up to who God is, revealed in the person of Jesus Christ, whole new vistas open up, new horizons, new possibilities, new ways of seeing things. Things that once mattered don't matter anymore. Things that in the past we overlooked now are the most important things. And that's what Jesus does for all of us. But... For that to happen, we have to have two things moving in our hearts. We have to have listening hearts, and we have to have available hearts. So listening, who do we listen to? What voices do we listen to? Do we make time to listen to the voice of Jesus? Which is to say, do we pray? Do we do it every day, consistently and honestly? Do we show up, speak, Lord? Your servant is listening, last Sunday's readings. Speak, Lord. I want to hear your voice. And then, are we actually available? Because to their great credit, when James and John and before them, Andrew and Peter, hear the voice of Jesus, they make a move. They go with him. 
when he invites them to get close, they say yes. Brothers and sisters, once again, that is not just for them locked in the past. It's not just for guys who are discerning priesthood. Oh, priesthood. That's for every single one of us. All of you. The Lord is calling. It's not a question. He has never stopped calling hearts to himself to come follow him in a unique way, a beautiful way, a personal way. He's never stopped. The question is, have we stopped? Have we stopped listening? And have we stopped being available? The call in this gospel, short as it is, is to the heights of holiness. Because Jesus has showed up The kingdom of God is present in his person. And he invites every one of us to come follow him. There's no mediocrity in the call. There's no bland middle ground of just doing a Catholic thing on the weekends. That's not for anyone. He's never called anyone to that. He's called everyone and everyone here to great holiness, to become saints. That's the adventure. I promise it's not just for young people. It's not just for people who are discerning their vocation in life. It is for everyone, whatever state of life you find yourself in now, wherever you are in your life, Jesus is calling now, tonight, come after me and I'll make something beautiful of your life. Will we listen and are we available? Hopefully we can say yes, because this is the time of fulfillment. The kingdom of God is at hand.